very basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including razor-sharp bats, an unhygienic clown, some sort of slime guy, and two bride ghosts fighting with each other over a specific venue in April. I'm Mikey McCaller. And I'm Roxy Folk. Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us outside the scary basement. What happened to you this week that spooked you to your very bones? Wow, well, uh, it's a very serious and heavy thing that happened to me and every woman in America this this week, um, mm-hmm. which was an anti-abortion law ruling that makes me just want to... <laughs> I... I don't even know how to handle it, Mikey. It's been a rough week seeing a nightmare scenario that shouldn't be possible about women getting their rights taken away actually happen. Um, yeah. I wish I wish I was in a horror movie being hunted by a slasher villain instead. No, uh, it's that's the scariest thing for me, too. Um, the Good. Supreme <laughs> Court. Yeah. Turns out it's a thing for men, too, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Supreme Court is overturning Roe v. Wade, the landmark decision which guarantees that abortion is legal throughout the United States. Uh, Yeah, fucking disaster. <laughs> it's really upsetting. Yeah, it's a human rights thing, not just women. Because, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? Women are human, too. <laughs> so Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> I will say the thing that has made me feel a little better in the last couple of days is I mm-hmm. did sign up to be an abortion escort. You know, somebody who, when That's women are going wonderful. in to get abortions, you kind of go and you know, guide them in because there's a lot of times protesters. So you kind of physically put your body in between the protesters and the women and kind of like act as a uh, a human shield against uh, them and that kind of vitriol. So that was something that kind of I felt like I could do that was tangible that felt like, okay, I'm not a I'm not just sitting here quivering. <laughs> I am taking some action and getting out and doing stuff. That's awesome. I didn't even know that was a thing that you could do. So that's that's wonderful, and I'm glad to hear something positive you know, yeah. with everything else going on. So, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank real you, quick, Mikey. It is, it is LA4Choice, that's LA4Choice.org, okay. that you can go to if you're in the Los Angeles area. I don't know who is. But yeah, I'm sure you can find uh, other places that need abortion escorts wherever you are. If you Google it, it feels like a, a yeah, good, tangible spot. Equivalence, yeah. Yeah, it would be cool if there was like a... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that just like weighs on you that you're just like, God, I can't, I can't not talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. It's so frustrating. Yeah, there's so much that goes into it and like the structure of how something this heinous came about where you're literally stripping people of their rights. There's been a lot of anti-LGBTQ and like trans hate going on. And it's just kind of like they start with that and they work your way down until like everybody's rights are stripped. And it's just what only the people in charge get to make the decisions. Right. The percentage, there was a percentage I saw too that is like less than 30% of any state thinks this thing was a good idea. So it's like, how did this even, e- even, uh-huh. <laughs> even if you pull the entire country, the shitty people don't account for enough of it for them to ever even make this a thing. And yet they made it a thing. And yet here it is a thing. Well, thankfully, we can transition away from this topic with the demon bot stomping over. I've never over. been so happy to see demon bot. Thank you. Please. <laughs> He's the one who has to transition us. Yeah. I want to almost like give him a hug at this point. Hey, demon bot. What's up? It's, I've never thought I'd be so relieved to see you. Of course, you would leave it to me to segue from the attacks on reproductive rights to a film about systemic racism and gentrification. 
but this week you were assigned the 1992 film Candyman directed by Bernard Rose and starring Virginia Madsen, Tony Todd, and Cassie Lemons. Did you watch the film or your soul's forfeit? Roxy, I did watch Candyman. Did you watch Candyman? Yes, I sure as hell watched Candyman. Then you may keep your souls for now. Roxy, we both watched the movie Candyman. Candyman. Directed by Bernard Rose, but executive produced by Clive Barker. Yes. I'm finding out very slowly. Clive Barker is my favorite horror man. Is he? He's just my guy. Okay. He's just my guy. Just vibes with you. Everything he touches horror-wise, I am scared by and enthralled by. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) So what do you say for anybody listening up at the scary basement door? Let's give them a quick plot recap of the film Candyman. All right, let's do it. We open on a city before moving on to a wide shot of bees. Just like a lot of bees. An ominous voice then asks, what good is blood if not for shedding? Then promising to rip us, me, uh, from groin to gullet. We then see a little Candyman vignette wherein a babysitter invites over a bad boy and says, Candyman, into the mirror five times, causing who else? The Candyman to appear. This story we then find out is being told by a freshman to Helen who is a grad student doing her thesis on how residents of Cabrini Green in the Chicago projects blame the Candyman for all the horrific crimes that occur in their neighborhood. Helen then learns, notably from a black woman, about a woman named Ruthie Jean who was murdered by the Candyman. Later that night, Helen and her co-writer of the thesis, Bernadette, say the name Candyman five times into the mirror. The next day, Helen and Bernadette go to the building where Ruthie Jean was murdered. In her apartment, Helen sneaks through the mirror to the derelict apartment on the other side. There, she finds a huge mural of a black man and a pile of candy. And when she unwraps the candy, they have razor blades pushed inside it. And it's just overall an incredibly unsettling, creepy place. Not a great vibe. Helen and Bernadette then meet Anne-Marie, who also lives in this building. She's got a baby boy named Anthony and a Rottweiler. Helen then has dinner with her shitty husband, Trevor, and some old podge who tells her yet another Candyman origin story. That the Candyman was the son of a slave who had his hand chopped off by white people and also got covered in bees. A lot of mythology going around in this year, Candyman. Helen goes back to the apartment and meets Jake, a little boy who tells her, believe it or not, a third Candyman myth. That he cut off a little boy's penis in a bathroom. In this bathroom, Helen meets the Candyman. I'm doing quotation marks, you'll have to trust me on it. A normal-ass dude who holds a hook. He hits her in the eye with the hook, but not the pointy end, uh, and leaves her for dead. (laughs) Helen gets this quote-unquote candy man arrested, and then goes back to the university. There she meets the real candy man who makes her pass out. Helen then wakes up in Anne-Marie's apartment, covered in blood, with a Rottweiler head on the ground and the baby missing. (laughs) The cops arrive and arrest Helen. This is when things just overall go super, super downhill for Helen. (laughs) The police think the baby could be alive, but Helen doesn't know where it is because if she had anything to do with it, her, she blacked out. Her memory's not there for it. She calls her husband at 3 a.m. in the morning when the cops finally allow her to, and he's mysteriously not home. The candy man shows up at her apartment and murders Bernadette, again, pinning it on Helen. She gets committed, and just a rough day at the office all around for poor Helen over here. (laughs) At the mental institution, Candyman tells Helen he can make her into myth, rumor, and that he will exchange the baby's life for her own. Helen is then sedated for an entire month before summoning the Candyman in front of her court-appointed therapist to prove that she's innocent. 
The candy man then pops in, slices up her dollar store George Costanza ass therapist, and then the candy man Batmans out the window. <laughs> Sorry, I was just remembering it. It's a very fun scene. Everybody the needs to one, watch it. Like truly insane scene. Like no <laughs> other scene is as silly and Looney Tunesy as that scene. You can <laughs> and then even the rest see of the movie like, is very serious. Yeah, you could even see like his harness, but it's like you don't care. It's fun. <laughs> Anyway, due to Candyman's intervention, Helen escapes the institution, goes home to find that her husband has taken up with a grad student, one of his own students, ultimate scumbag, and Mm. finally says, fuck it all. She goes back to the original building to find the baby, because that's something she can do. (laughs) There, Helen finds the baby in a massive, as-of-yet unlit bonfire. She sneaks inside, and wielding one of his hooks as a weapon, is mistaken for the Candyman by Jake, the little boy from the beginning, and also everyone else in the building who's been itching to light a bonfire. Once the torches are lit, Helen learns the Candyman has tricked her. She will burn up along with the baby and become a new, fucked-up urban legend. But just when Helen is about to give up, she sees Anne-Marie, the mother of the baby, and decides she needs to save this baby no matter what. She stabs Candyman with a lit splinter a two by four sure yeah (laughs) uh and crawls through the fire with the baby protecting it with her very body she gets all burned fucked up but makes it out and is able to deliver the baby back to his mother everyone is like whoa that white lady gave her life for a black baby and then she finally truly becomes an urban myth and then trevor all sad about helen says the name helen five times in the mirror she appears, she's still all burned up, and she murders the shit out of him. We end on this it? giant painting of Helen <laughs> looking like a saint back in that creepy Candyman apartment. And goddamn, yeah. Helen did it. She became the myth. She's a myth. The legend. Just like Candyman promised. Dude, what a movie, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Candyman. Hey, it, Mikey. Yeah. Be my victim. Okay. I love that line. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> What I think is kind of interesting about that line specifically is this notion that, like, it, the movie gets to a point where pretty clearly it's like, yeah, she should be his victim. Like, it would be way better off to just get murdered by Candyman than to have to go through, like, trial for murdering your best friend and stealing a baby. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. That's just, like, <laughs> such a – this movie made me so upset in, like, this really great way. I was just like, this is a bad sitch. They grind <laughs> Helen down till she has, like, nothing. It, like, just when you think it's bad enough, it gets worse and worse and worse. And it happens very fast. It's not like, the, like, the inciting incident of this movie isn't, like, Helen is framed for a murder. It's, like, it's like a long, like, she's kind of in control. She's, like, pursuing her leads about these urban legends. And she's just, like, you know, she has this, like, scary moment with the fake candy man. But she, like, comes through... And then all of a sudden, very quickly, the movie is, like, just destroying her. Yeah. Well, I think partially it also mirrors Candyman's backstory himself, where he's someone who was murdered unjustly. So he's someone who didn't, he didn't deserve the horrible things that happened to him either. So Helen also goes through these horrible things that didn't Mm -hmm. deserve to happen to her either. Um, And we didn't talk about it too much in the summary, but one of the reasons why he chooses to, like, not kill Helen and have her... Like, why he asks her, he wants her to willingly become his victim. He's not like, Mm. I'm going to force you to do this. Because she's like the reincarnation of his lost love, or at least like looks like her. Oh, I missed that. 
Yeah, it's heavily implied. Like on the mural showing Candyman's backstory, there's a woman in the painting who is his like lost love who he was killed over. Like basically the setup is he was, uh, what what time period? I know what time period it was, like colonial times. I know it was still when- It was like when- right after slavery because it was like his, Candyman's father was a, sl- a freed slave who ended up becoming wealthy. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he, Candyman himself was like an artist who did portraits for rich people. He was commissioned. Like at Valley Fair? Uh, yeah, that's where rich people commission their uh, big, gigantic <laughs> mural portraits. He was doing commissions of rich people with like a giant head, but there were like all, like tiny bodies like on a skateboard. <laughs> caricatures, yep. <laughs> they have like oversized noses, you know. <laughs> Everyone has freckles for some reason. Just giant ears. Can you tell me about beef with like Valley Fair cartoonist artists? Apparently. I don't know why. (laughs) Mikey's nemesis here now. You heard it first. (laughs) But so he falls in love with the uh, subject of his painting, which is a rich white woman who like they were of similar ages and she becomes pregnant. And then the father hates that and literally hires local hooligans to completely destroy him. They Mm -hmm. cut off his hand, put a hook there. Uh, They cover him in like honey and then bees sting him to death and then they burn his body and scatter the ashes over the site that will then become the apartment complex. Mm-hmm. So he didn't deserve any of the horrible things that happened to him whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he still loves the woman that he loved in the past, or at least like that's what his urban legend myth has to have him do. So that's why he is looking for Helen and yeah, chooses to try and make her complete his myth, his urban legend by her and the baby dying with him in the fire to become like the ultimate urban legend family i guess (laughs) (laughs) they're real real the simpsons of urban legend (laughs) yeah uh that actually that changes some things for me because i was kind of getting the vibe and i could be wrong that the Candyman story uh, and the story of the slave and the story of whoever sliced off the little boy's penis and whoever crawled through the window or or crawled through the mirror when the name was said five times that Mm. all of those were equally untrue but all equally true kind of this idea that like there was maybe no candy man that there was no destroyed slave or or penis slicer but all of these things are just kind of exaggerations of real things that like became oral an oral tradition right this kind of like folklore that people would like pass on and became exaggerated and and i don't know this movie almost to me feels like a a gritty reboot of friday the 13th and by friday the 13th i mean a nightmare on elm street (laughs) because so much of the freddy krueger myth is that like he needs kids to believe in him and be scared of him i mean i guess a lot of the later ones get into this idea that like if kids start to forget him then he loses his power like Mm -hmm. the way Candyman does that it makes it feel like by people being afraid of these urban legends, it gives this vague creature his power. And Yeah. So I think that that can also be said about like the mural is people interpreting that myth that they've heard and then mm-hmm. drawing that. And then because Helen happens to be like pretty white woman with big eyes, she looks just uh-huh. like the illustration or close enough that the legend entity mm-hmm. whatever like latches onto her in that way i think also she becomes a target because she's like trying to discredit the urban legend and be like yeah they're just like modern folk tales they're not real mm-hmm. she's trying to like actually figure out the facts about it and like get people's accounts to document and then also be like 
yeah, this is just like people's different interpretations. She, she's trying to find more straightforward ways of explaining things. So he sees that as a threat a great point. to his she, existence. She is, so. she is attacking him. Yeah. Thesis. Yeah, honestly. Uh, so mm-hmm. converting her, someone like that who doesn't believe in him as well, could have more power. So there's also like that angle, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because I would argue, and and I think this kind of is getting us into, like, the big idea of the movie, the deep human fear that this movie is poking at. This question of, like, have you heard a lot of these stories? Have you heard about the the razor blades and the candy? Or uh, Bloody Mary, I think, is what uh, can't, the saying the name five times in the mirror co-opted. Roxy, did you hear these growing up? Um, honestly, I didn't as much, which for a kid who liked horror movies, y- you'd think maybe that would be strange. <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. hear as much of it. Yeah. Maybe it's just because Alaska doesn't have as many urban legend kind of things like that. At least sure, my high school too, didn't. Too isolated. There's too many, too, uh, there's an entire forest between you and your neighbors. So you wouldn't be able to see your neighbors to hear these stories. Yeah. And we live in igloos too. So like, you know, we uh-huh. don't get a lot of reception for TV or internet and what have you. <laughs> I would say I have heard every single one of them. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I would like see movies or something and hear them in that way to be like, oh yeah, urban legend, blah, blah, blah. But like, I wouldn't actually hear it like from somebody telling me about it, I guess. I remember my grandfather telling me as a very little boy, he was like, you can't go to the bathroom by yourself because some little boy in a movie theater, like I remember him telling me this so specifically, it was like in a movie theater, it was in St. Paul. Okay. A little boy went in and somebody came in and they cut his penis off. Wait, what? <laughs> the exact yeah. same? <laughs> yeah, because, legend because that's it, right? Man? It's like an urban legend. It's one of those. And and thinking about that, like that in a very tangible way was the candy man attacking my grandfather, right? In the sense that like, yeah. my grandfather was fearful about something. And so his behavior was modified in a way that, like, he would never let me, as a little kid, go to the bathroom by myself if we were, like, out in public. Uh-huh. So, I, I don't know. I, I And I think about that. I think about, like, I, I've definitely heard the razor blades and candy myth. That, like, you mm-hmm. got to check your kid's Halloween candy. Because if there's razor blades and then you just bite into it, then they fucking slice up their mouth. Yeah. That is, again, that is, like, fear getting into us. It's the same thing I always say. Like, this is maybe a little off the beaten path. But, like... I always think about, like, Santa Claus and this question of, like, we know Santa Claus isn't real, but uh-huh. by telling children to behave or else they won't get presents from Santa Claus, that idea becomes tangible because those real-life kids are changing their behavior in a way that affects their real life. So in that sense, it could be argued that Santa Claus is real. It could be argued that the Candyman really did freak out my grandfather enough to, like, open up all my Snickers before I ate them on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I think that's also just talking about how modern folktales, yeah, they they influence our lives. That's the stories we tell each other, Mm -hmm. you know? Even since before the internet made things easier to do stuff like that, to share like a creepy pasta and smile yeah. dog du- JPEG or whatever. <laughs> but I would I would argue that's why like that that to me speaks to why I don't know how tangible any of the events of like the Candyman's backstory are in this movie. Because just thinking about like what are the core elements, it's like the the backstory certainly seems like if we're just taking him as a a an actual like man who lived and went through this horrifying hand cutting off bee cutting off thing it's like that the monster that we see in this movie stalking poor helen does seem to reflect that 
But there's also the fact that his name is Candyman, which comes from the urban legend of putting razor blades in in candy. Yeah, and, and I think that's what we're talking about when when it's like he he's more of like a a creature that is just the embodiment of an urban legend. Yeah. So he just happens to wear the skin of this particular legend right now because of that being the more prevalent one and that mm. being the one that like Helen has heard, so that's the one that her perspective would have him be. Yeah. I guess. Roxy, here's an important question. Okay. Have you seen the movie Urban Legends? Yes, I have. <laughs> How does that movie exist when this movie exists? Like, I would have called this movie Urban Legends. Yeah, it it definitely could have been. Uh, not quite as catchy as something like The Candyman, but in its very early 2000s way, it's trying to be some sort of urban legend meta horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what could what could that movie possibly do that this movie doesn't do beautifully? I mean, I think it doesn't it start with like the person in the bathtub full of ice with a kidney missing. Mm. And that one urban legend. That's, I guess that is that is another urban legend that I forgot about. And different hook with a hand man. <laughs> I think that I have definitely or heard. hook for a hand. <laughs> um, one thing we haven't talked about: there is a huge racial element to this movie. Yes, yeah, and classes, which go yes. hand in hand many times, uh, and they certainly do in this movie. Looking back on it, the way that this movie does its credits, it is just like a high camera floating over the city of Chicago. And you're almost you're seeing it. It's like at such an angle that it looks like that, like the streets and roads are literally like sectioning it off. Yeah, I can and see that. And it does very much feel to me like this movie is about like the lines that we are drawing in society, that there is like a sectioned off. There is an area where horrific crime happens and they have dealt with this crime by creating this myth of the Candyman. And then there's kind of the Virginia Madsen, uh, Helen and her shitty husband world that is sliced off and separate. And very early on, she pieces together. She's like, oh, my building is designed the exact same as this building that Ruthie Jean was killed in. And she's like, oh, they just put plaster up over it. it. It feels like there is kind of this. Yeah, they put plaster up over it, charge twice as much, and it's in a location where they can charge more for it. Right. And have white people live there instead. Yeah. So it's like th there's kind of this interesting question of like, we're all kind of in this. <laughs> we're all ultimately the same. But we have put up these artificial dividers between us. Yeah. That I think is very interesting that like a, a lot of the um, early on when uh, Helen is talking to the cleaning ladies who tell her about Ruthie Jean. They're like afraid to tell her about it. They're like, you didn't hear that from me because there yeah. is like this distrust between these two people. Well, I think especially because she's pointing her in the direction of the Cabrini Green apartment or not apartments because it's like many different apartments. Yeah, that specific building that she goes to. Yeah. And like I didn't quite realize until like doing a little more digging on this movie because I really don't know too much about Chicago. And this was like, you know, it's been mm. torn down in like maybe 2011 or something. Well, it's a fictional town. No, it's real. No, Chicago is fictional. Is oh, Chicago is fictional. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the gang violence there was incredibly awful. Um, in fact, mm. notoriously, the film crew had to pay off gang members so they could film here for the exteriors. Oh, wow, really? And the people you see when they first drive up and park, those dudes who are like looking sketchy out front, who kind of mm -hmm. harangue them when they're going towards the elevator and say they're like police officers. Uh-huh. Those are legit gang members. <laughs> they just were like, can you be in the movie, I guess, since we're paying you off anyway? <laughs> 
And then, like, I think some of their equipment was stolen when they finished filming and, like, they they found a bullet in one of their generators or something. Jesus. So they actually, like, filmed on location for part of it. And mm-hmm. then, of course, like, the interior shots, they built uh, sets and everything for that. But, like, those exterior shots are real. It does they start to get into, like, it. when you think about, like, these real horrors, the, the fact that, like, these people couldn't process them and started relating them to this myth of the candy man yeah it's like it's so much better if like a mythical creature a mythical dude scary mm-hmm. man is responsible for it instead of just your neighbor you know right or the or you don't know <laughs> like, yes you don't exactly know what is happening like the candy man yeah. at the very least is order you know you as long as i don't say his name into the mirror i will at least not be affected by these chaotic things that are happening in my neighborhood that i can't grapple with yeah, because the majority of the people living there are just trying to live their lives, you know, yeah. like, and then the rest of the population of the city, I suppose, just chooses to lump everyone in there and be like, well, too bad for them. They're just there. Mm-hmm. And they become kind of forgotten. And again, it's not until this white woman is involved where she gets like beat up in uh-huh. the bathroom by the fake Candyman guy that like they do anything. And like the cop even says like, yeah, everybody there was too afraid to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So thanks, I guess. So like, that that's very funny because she does something really good and has a relationship with this cop and this little boy initially where it's very positive that she's doing a good thing. And then next time they meet, it's when she's being accused of stealing a baby and beheaded a dog <laughs> and smeared the blood everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's very different. <laughs> there, There is, I would, I would say there is some, I, I don't know if this is like an intentional, like, you know, again, we think a lot about these horror movies about like the morality of them. A lot of times people get mm-hmm. killed or go through these traumatic things, you know, in the 80s because they were having sex. Like the, the movie has like its point of view. And if you break that code of morality, then you get killed and you've kind of earned it. It does feel like there's a little bit of something about Helen kind of brazenly tramping, trampling on these people's individual lives when she first goes to the neighborhood. She's there with Bernadette and Bernadette's like, don't go in there don't knock don't do this and she's like no yeah. i'm just gonna do it <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. very like the way uh white people are they're just like no nah, it's fine i'll be fine don't worry about it and it's like well i mean these people have lived with it they know what's going on they know their lives better than you know their lives so don't do that maybe yeah. don't and also the fact that uh bernadette is also a woman of color mm-hmm. so she she's not a white woman so she's like yeah, right she dude, knows what the fuck are you doing and she also <laughs> yeah. knows that if she became a victim of whatever they encounter there that the police wouldn't give a shit about that either mm. yeah which is really unfortunate and i think mm-hmm. the actress who plays helen originally auditioned to play the best friend role instead there's like some crazy oh. casting things that happened in this movie actually wild and so they were like no we want the best friend to be a woman of color and actually our first choice for helen dropped out so can you be helen and then oh. she did like an absolute wonderful job and i can't imagine anybody else doing that role oh yeah she's similarly with Candyman himself do you know who their first pick was mikey was it you roxy yes it was me that's a big twist (laughs) when i was like a baby (laughs) roxy i love you so much there would be no worse choice (laughs) not only are you a baby you are a white lady (laughs) yeah it would be a very different type of story they're looking for in this part (laughs) no who did they want to be Candyman? eddie murphy Eddie Murphy was their first choice, which is like, are you making a comedy movie? Especially yeah. like in 92? What? And I'm so glad he did. Well, I think when they wanted Eddie Murphy, they were going to have him play every character, like in uh, ah, The Nutty okay. Professor, Meet the Clumps kind of a vibe. He was going to play Helen and Trevor and the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Just in different, in different makeup. 
Well, I'm so glad they went with Tony Todd instead because he is great. He does such a good job. Seeing like stuff that he said about it too, he kind of wanted to create his own sort of Phantom of the Opera type of oh, character. Sure. Yeah, this Phantom where he's like kind of deeply romantic and like alluring and kind of um what's the word I'm looking for? Suave isn't exactly the right word. I, I will say I guess I, he's seductive. Seductive would be better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, you know, like a Freddy or something that is just like, you know, he's going to carve you up and he got a freaky burned face. (laughs) (laughs) He has a totally different vibe that is great. Mm -hmm. And like, I think part of the backstory of Candyman, he even helped come up with essentially for like one of the urban legend myths, which I didn't even realize until recently, like looking up and doing some digging, which is very cool. He has uh, a little bit of a Hannibal Lecter quality to him. Yes, yeah, where it's yeah, like, yeah. He's smarter than everybody in the room. He is wildly in control. Uh, he is just like manipulating the pieces Charismatic, on the board. Manipulative, and yeah, I would, I would say, um, the way I would describe, him, I had a screenwriting teacher in college who told us that all the best villains have an operatic quality to us. Yeah, so much that, like, fun. <laughs> it it does feel like. He delivers a lot of insane monologues in this, and he yes. sells the shit out of them, this Tony Todd. He is so, like, like it's inherently uninteresting information because it's just, like, thematic. It's just like, yes, come, be my myth, be my rumor. It's like, what are you talking yeah. about? But, like, I just want to watch him deliver these monologues for hours. I could. I which could Which is watch exactly that. what you want in your good Shakespearean actors. For real. <laughs> Roxy. Mikey. Do you have a question for me? Yes. uh, Yes, I do. So, Mikey, we watched a movie where you take on the uh, risk of Candyman all on your own by saying his name five times in the mirror if you are feeling feeling tough (laughs) enough. So my question to you, Mikey, is would you say Candyman's name five times in a mirror on a dare? I dare you. Would you do it? Roxy. Mikey? I've never done it before. I remember specifically being at a sleepover and we were uh-huh. doing Bloody Mary and some kid okay, I did too. <laughs> went into the bathroom and said he did it and said he saw a lady with a, he said he saw a bloody lady with a knife and then he left. Left? He just left the entire sleepover, went but out he the was door? Like, he, I, I remember him kind of like, he wasn't like screaming or anything. He was just like, I saw it. Like, and which made me think he was lying. Uh-huh. But I could never do it. I could never like be brave enough to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens in every horror movie, right? The main character's like, this isn't real, and then they do it, and then they die. I wouldn't chance it. <laughs> Have you, did you say it? Uh, I did say Bloody Mary as a kid, though. I did, yes. What happened? I remember doing that as a child. I haven't died yet, so either she's taken a really long time to get to me, or she just doesn't have reception up in Alaska, so I'm probably <laughs> fine. Like I said, Roxy. we don't have, don't have great reception up there, so. You've got great reception now. What do you say? We say Candyman into a mirror right now. Uh, I'm not going to do it, but if you want to, Mikey, that's up to you. Okay. Here, I, here's uh, a mirror. Uh, all right, here we go. Okay. I'm in the mirror. All right. He's doing it. Candyman. Candyman. Two. Candyman. Three. Candyman. Four. And they do this every time in the movie. They're like, oh. yeah. Oh, you're going to do it. Oh. Candyman. Five. Okay. All right, Mikey, you're going to have God, to keep us up sure. to date. I thought for sure. Just the fact that I know the Candyman is lurking somewhere in the scary basement makes me confident that should have summoned him. Well, I think when you go home at night and look look in your bathroom mirror, that's when he'll get you. He loves that portal most of all. He's a he's a stealth Candyman. (laughs) 
Roxy, on a scale from one to nine, because the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement, how likely would you say the events of Candyman are to happen in real life? Uh, so I said nine out of nine, gentrification mm. and racism and exploitation of the poor and uh-huh. people of color and people looking for an explanation that can try and make more sense out of their lives by leaning on an urban legend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that happens every day in this country, if not multiple times every day. So Absolutely. that's my answer. What about you? Um, I not only agree, I also gave it a nine for a, for a different reason entirely. Oh, which is? All of these rumors, the razor blades okay. and the candy, the little boy with no penis, the, uh, the, the slave getting uh, murdered by white people. All of these things, we've said these rumors enough. And Roxy, where there's smoke, there's fire. All right? All of these things have definitely happened. Okay. And that's scary. So that yeah. means it's going to happen in real life. <laughs> well, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. And everybody listening to the podcast will perpetuate it. It's just like Sadako's tape. Now everybody's got it. Roxy, that makes Candyman officially a documentary. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> uh, last week, Roxy, we made a bet. We knew there oh, were bumblebees yeah. involved in this movie somehow. Uh-huh. Less bumblebees than I thought there were going to be. We only got one big bumblebee. I think they're stuff. also regular types of bees. They're not bumblebees. Just oh, for anyone who might. Bumblebees are like fuzzier and don't have stingers. They don't These have are like stingers? Honey, honeybees. Yeah, bumblebees don't. That's too bad. Yeah. But just so if anyone's going to come for us in, uh, on Twitter <laughs> to be like, excuse me, uh, you actually made a mistake about bumblebees versus honeybees. Um yeah, if uh, if the ninth grade physical science Twitter <laughs> wants to come after <laughs> they us, like, all right, all right, you're right. We we listen. Bumblebees is a much funner word to say, and I'm going to continue are. to say it. They're very cute. They bumble around. They're big and fluffy. Uh, we made a bet as to when the first bumblebee would appear. What would the timestamp of the movie be? I said ten minutes. What did you say, Roxy? I said twenty five minutes. I feel like we either talked about this. <laughs> On the podcast, or I mean, right joke. afterwards, where we yeah. were like, if they might be a bunch of bumblebees in like the opening credits. Yeah, <laughs> boy, were there. Uh, two minutes, four seconds in, we get a nice long Candyman monologue about oh, ripping yeah. somebody from growing a gullet, and then we smash cut to a wall of bees at two o four. Wall of bees. So that's gonna be me. The total bet score is now Roxy nineteen points, Mikey nineteen points. Ooh, Tom, one. Damn, okay. Something happens at 30. Something. We don't know what. Nobody knows what. We should probably be looking for more traces of the before people at some point. You know, when we get a free minute and we're not being chased by ghouls. You know, it's not the worst idea. We could learn a lot about uh, the scary basement and maybe how to escape if we were to learn more from the before people. And We love finding notes in video games. Let's do it in real life, Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is my great joy in any of the like survival horror-y Resident Evil Silent Hill games that we both play when you find a note. Uh-huh. Yeah, I want to get some uh, lore. Hell yeah. I want to download a little lore here. Roxy, there is a bizarre new addition to The Scary Basement. You know, I was wondering about that because I haven't seen it before. But then again, I was like, I also don't memorize everything down here. So this could have been here this whole time. And I didn't know. All right, Roxy, we are going to open up the interview tomb. Wait, is that that big tomb in the corner? I've been wondering about that. It is. When the interview tomb is opened, someone relevant to the movie that we just watched will be inexplicably and supernaturally drawn to the scary basement, just like us. And there, we get to interview them. Let's see who the quote-unquote lucky soul 
will be. Oh, it's a guy? Hi there. Do you have any connection to the movie Candyman by chance? Candyman. Candy. Oh, wait. That's the movie where there's like an urban legend about a kid getting his dick cut off, right? The very same. I get it. Yeah. I got my dick cut off when I was a kid, too. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry to, like, make you relive this and make you talk about this. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Hmm. Why? <laughs> uh, getting my dick cut off was actually the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, explain. Well, uh, just think about how much I don't have to deal with not having a dick. First of all, how much time do men spend thinking about ugh, sex? It's a lot of time. I get to take all that time and dump it into my hobbies, like painting miniatures. Plus, I don't ever have to pee-pee. What do you mean you don't ever have to pee-pee? Well, how would I, genius? I don't have a dick. You know, Roxy, this whole not having a dick thing starting to sound not so bad. I haven't even told you about the special pants yet. Oh, I gotta hear about these special pants. They make these pants, right, with extra sharp zipper teeth. Way too sharp to risk giving to a man with a dick. But for guys like me, with no dick, those zipper teeth are interlocked. I never have to worry about my fly being down, even when I'm speaking to hundreds of people, like I did last week at my TEDx conference. My speech was about not having a dick, of course. Wow, you're booking speaking engagements? That's it, Roxy. I am cutting off my dick. Okay, Mikey, no, you are not going to cut off your dick. You're just easily convinced. I am not. Yes, yes, you are. You're right. You should listen to your friend, pal. Do not cut off your dick. Thank you. Yes. I do not need some other dickless guy coming to take my job. Uh, your job's based on not having a dick? Mm-hmm. I live off of America's Funniest Home Video Rewards. I take home $10,000 per submission since I can be kicked in the dick, or rather, where a dick would be if I had one, and pretty much not feel anything. Right, 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 because you don't have a dick. Now you're getting it. Well, even though I don't think I'll be following in your footsteps... I do want you to know I think it's very cool the way you've been able to take not having a dick and turn it into such a great life for yourself. Hey, thank you. But I really owe it all to my mentor, a guy who had his um butt cut off. Okay, Mikey, you, you have to make me a promise that you're going to stop doing the first thing that a new person tells you they are doing and are excited about, okay? Aha! Uh-huh. I, I can't make that promise because then it. I would be breaking that promise. <laughs> Hey, I'm not a new person who had a bad idea who just came into your life. <laughs> uh, I'd I don't hope know. My, uh... I've known you <laughs> not that long. <laughs> 10 years? More than 10, like 10 years, years at this point, <laughs> How dare you? How long do I have yeah. to know you to have gained most your trust? Most people in year 11, they say most people in year 11 is when they reveal their true selves to you. <laughs> okay. Well, then next year, you're going to have to take my word for it. Until then, I'm going to have to just keep following you around until you know. Stop it and smack, I don't know, big murder knife out of your hand the next time a Freddy Krueger tells you you should do it. That's, uh, honestly, if you would do that and whenever I'm like pulling into the Taco Bell drive-thru, if you're like, no. <laughs> we need to make a pact if it's specifically Taco Bell because you also need to do that for me too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I need great. to stop going to Taco Bell. <laughs> you know who I don't know one way or the other if they need to stop going to Taco Bell because I'm not sure how food metabolizes in him good question <laughs> if it can just rots is the demon it burns bot. incinerates he's just filled with fire maybe yeah i definitely seen him eating 
<laughs> but I don't know if he's like chewing it and swallowing it and metabolizing it or if he's just like a garbage disposal. <laughs> I assume it's something like that, but we'll never know unless he tells us. Fascinating. Here he comes, the demon bot. I would appreciate it if you would refrain for speculating about my bodily functions in front of me. I am a proper English butler after all and it is unseemly. Anyway, you have successfully reviewed Candyman. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must review the 1997 film Event Horizon directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and starring Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, and Kathleen Quinlan. If you do not, I shall suck up your souls like a black hole. Okay, Roxy, so for next week, we gotta watch Event Horizon. This movie, I watched this on a VHS tape at like a sleepover as a child and have not seen it since, and it made quite the impression (laughs) on me, and I can't wait to rewatch it. It's gonna be insane. (laughs) There's a lot of uh, people getting killed in this movie, right? Yeah, and uh, hell is involved, Mikey. You love that. (laughs) You love movies that include hell and the devil. I do love hell. (laughs) I think hell is the funniest place in the world. Uh, What do you say we make a bet for next week? Sure. Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I don't know why it was so funny to me that you were just like, sure. <laughs> hey, we got to do it every week, right? <laughs> so how about we go with a classic kill count for this one, Mikey? What do you say? Perfect. Classic kill count. Okay. I will say there will be eight deaths okay. in this movie. Since I know there's like two spaceships full of people involved, I can't remember how many. I'm going to swing wide and say 20. Okay. The bet's locked not? in. <laughs> the pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to the kill count for the film shall be declared the winner. The loser must read every post from the internet of someone who totally swears they have seen the really real Lost Directors cut that totally exists. Roxy, let's end the show this week as we always do and always must with what's making us happy. What's going on in your life that is uh, a little more joyful than some of the scary Candyman-based things we've been talking about here? Well, my thing that's making me happy this week should come as no surprise if you've listened to any other episodes on this podcast is related to Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> you love it. Oh my god, you love it so much. I love it I love so it much. You. So they released this really hard challenge, which I am so far away from even being able to do. Um, And Uh it was like, it felt like an esports or like sporting event. Like the way Mm. people were just like checking in. It took them several days to be able to beat it, like figure out the mechanics and do it correctly. Mm -hmm. And it involves my favorite expansion, my favorite story plot point that includes like my favorite character who um, I won't say the name because of spoilers, but uh, he dies. And another Uh character dies. And this version of the tale, it's essentially a bard recounting your exploits to kind of like beef them up and make you sound cooler. So it's like a what if scenario. It's not canon, but this fight lets you save characters who die and give you an alternate ending of like what could have been. And Aww. so I both love it and hate it because I love it how they're like, oh, yeah, this char- these characters you care about, they're still relevant. We still care about them, too. And maybe you can save them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're also like, but no, 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 you actually can't save them for real. It's not canon. They're still fucking dead. <laughs> mm. And also Is you this- can only access it if you're like super good at the game and have been super up to date and have a crew who you can roll with who knows what they're doing. So you haven't played it yet? 
No, I have not because I am not max level, so I can't even attempt it, let alone yeah. having like a crew full of people who would roll with me so we could figure it out. Roxy, I think that's going to be really therapeutic for you to go and process the death of this character you loved so much and and go ahead and let yourself imagine what could have been. I think it's going to be really nice. I hope so. <laughs> we'll see if I ever get there. Uh, what about you, Mikey? What's been making you happy this week? Roxy, <laughs> the thing that's making me happy this week is uh-huh. one of the weirdest little internet finds I've stumbled across in a long time. Oh, I'm excited. It is a is subreddit. This? Okay. Entitled. Okay. R slash Wii U. So it is okay. the Nintendo Wii U subreddit, right? The Nintendo Wii U was a video game console that came out in like 2013 and was bad. Like everybody it hated it. It flopped. It was yeah. not great. They had like four games that people liked. Um, our, re- our Wii U is a bunch of people who are asking inane questions about the Wii U, but they're so sincere. There's like a lot of questions that are just like, how do I plug this in? What? <laughs> or, okay. like, or like, how do you guys keep your Wii U from getting too scratched? <laughs> and then and then the, the one I like the most whenever I see them is just like a post that's just like, what do you guys think of my Wii U collection? And it's like an incomplete console and then like four games that are bad. <laughs> it's just like, I don't think anything. I don't know. Like, I don't think about the Wii U. I have one and I have owned many of them. Like, I've owned two of them in my life. It's not a thing that I've ever thought about. And people just have the most, they're like, hey, does anybody know like how to plug in your sensor bar? <laughs> jokes right these can't be real especially with like the look at my game collection and then it's like an incomplete console like that can't be real (laughs) that sounds like a troll (laughs) it's like a lot of uh hey guys how do i uh save this game disc that's been scratched too hard i'm just scrolling through it right now wait why can't my (laughs) wii u use sdhc cards what is the top rated post is there a way um, to do that? I don't use Reddit enough to know. But <laughs> right now, it is the Wii U Stormtrooper mod. What? <laughs> For what game? It's just, it's just a white gamepad and a black pro controller. Oh, <laughs> let's let's look at the top all time. Yes, what's the top all time? I need to know. Pretty sure Katy Perry was using a Wii remote lanyard on her microphone at the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> Yep, I'm looking at the picture, and it sure does look like she does. Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, you need to send that to our lovely editor so he can put it in the show notes so everybody can see this uh, Katy Perry photo, photographic Dude, proof are we that she plays Wii U. Thing. Of <laughs> all the consoles for her to pick, Mikey, she chose Wii right, U. Right, And yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Also, like... <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> But they give so much of a shit. It's, it's, I will sit on it for up to 10 minutes, which in internet time is uh, hours and hours. Oh, I think there's also something very lovely about this that like anything that exists is going to have its fan base who really cares about it. Mm. Um, and especially when these people are like just earnestly asking these dumb questions, no offense, but how you plug in a thing. It's like, at at least they care enough to figure it out and they're still on it in the year 2022 what is the most recent post actually if they've been making recent oh it's constantly updated okay yeah which is insane to me in my feed like i see all the new posts (laughs) wow okay well there's something kind Uh, of beautiful about that human being you're exactly right 
it is there's something beautiful about it and what's beautiful about it is that no human being ever 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 gets to think again that they are unlovable because if people care this much about the wii u absolutely people care more about you i should hope so i should hope that for everybody it's making me emotional (laughs) roxy each week the demon bot hires a new monster to guard the scary basement door and keep us from escaping and yet each week we still escape this week i brought along so far okay (laughs) so far (laughs) yeah so far we're still here uh grim take roxy (laughs) I mean, we try very hard, Mikey. You said you got a new weapon. I'm very excited to hear what this is going to be that will our lives are riding on it, remember? I brought along a Louisville slugger. Okay, a baseball bat. Good old-fashioned baseball bat. That's, that could be good, depending on who we're fighting. Okay. Well, let's go take a look. We'll just go open the basement door. All right. Dude, the demon bot hired Mr. Met. The baseball-headed mascot for the New Jersey Mets. Oh my god. Mikey, it's perfect. This is perfect. Although the baseball bat's a little small for how big his uh, baseball ball head is, but uh, I believe in you, Mikey. You can do it. Hey, Mr. Met! The bases are loaded! Home run! That's it. That's it. He, he's dead. I murdered him. <laughs> oh. Wait, Mikey, you know, I don't know do, if he was do actually- clear. <laughs> Do be clear. This is not fun. This is not like a silly, like, oh, he's a baseball. Like, I hit the head off of a man. Mikey, I don't think he was a, I don't think there was a monster this week. I think he just wandered in. I think oh, you've shit. done an actual murder. Uh, oh, I am oh. going to not be a part of this. I don't have blood on my hands. See you later. There's a very small vampire in the corner. I think that was the actual guardsman. I'm sorry, Mr. Met. There's no coming back from this. <laughs>